0: Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Kind of excited today to launch into a new series in the Old Testament book of Sirach. And today is going to be by way of introducing this very rich Old Testament portion of Scripture. I have been waiting too long to do this. Uh, in fact, about 20 years ago, Scott Hahn asked me what I was doing with my radio show, and I said, among other things at the time, says, trying to teach things like the Old Testament book of Proverbs, which is so rich on practical application of the faith. The, the question, how do, how do we live practically in the world. A lot of people really want to know that. And I remember Scott telling me, you know, that book of Sirach has a lot of good stuff in it. You ought to do that too. So I'm taking Scott up in his word, even though I'm 20 years late. Here we go. And I'm going to start with a question. And this is the question that's very much on my mind through the things I've been doing in the Family Life Center the past few years and what I expect to do for the next few years, and what's on my mind, I'm urging parents, as you hear my voice right now, to let this be on your mind. First thing is the question, what is the greatest single challenge facing parents and their parishes in the 2020s? What is the single greatest challenge? And my answer, is that we need to know how to live as a Christian in a post-Christian culture. And actually, I define our culture as non-Christian and post-pagan. It's not even proper to call it pagan because pagans had a sense of right and wrong. They didn't always have the right senses of right and wrong, but they had that deep sense of right and wrong. And today, as you can go on Oprah, and she'll tell you what's your truth. There's no such thing as your truth. Pagans had a sense that it was culture-wide truths. There were certain things right and wrong, and Christianity corrected paganism, but what we have done is slipped into a post-pagan, non-Christian culture. Now, I'm not gonna take the time to belabor that. Subscribe to a newspaper if they're still around, and you'll see plenty of reasons why that things enshrined in our laws, in our behaviors, and things going on in churches, Protestant and Catholic, and our culture. This is what we're living in, and so the challenge is: how do we live in such a culture? And the challenge: Jesus told us what's going to happen when these type of things occur. In other words, we've turned our back on Christianity. Jesus said this, that's recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter twenty-four and verse twelve, and because wickedness is multiplied, most men's love will grow cold. And for love to grow cold, it must have been at one time warm or hot. In other words, this is a falling away from the faith, a leaving the faith. And we have this huge hemorrhage of young people raised in Christian churches, Protestant and Catholic, who are leaving in unbelievable numbers. The majority are leaving after they've been brought up in the church. So the value of wisdom literature, and wisdom literature characterizes certain books of the Old Testament, like the one we're about to launch into in this series, Sirach. Another famous one is Proverbs, and these are concerned with How do you live as a Christian in a pagan world? If you think about it, the early Catholic Church found itself in this situation. Now, I don't know what your children are getting in CCD or in a catechism class or a confirmation class, but what are they getting that will, or uh, let me interject for a minute, even a Catholic college, what are they getting that will enable them to live faithfully in the midst of a post-Christian culture. Because if they don't get this, they're very likely to wash out. Now, there is a remedy in a certain sense if we look at the early centuries of the Catholic Church, They were living in a very similar situation to ours. Ours has some unusual things with all the technology and the media overwhelming the mind and everything, but they lived in pretty much a horrendous cultural environment. And what did did they do? Now, remembering the book of Sirach is kind of like the younger first cousin of Proverbs. It takes what Proverbs does, that wisdom for daily living, and ramps it up a bit. Now, I want to uh, share with you what St. Ambrose, St. Ambrose uh, lived between 340 and 397 in the early church, a great orator, Uh, I think he was somewhat instrumental instrumental in St. Augustine's conversion. He was a great uh, doctor of the church, uh, bishop of Milan, and this is what he says. This is how he trained people. Quote, every day we have come to talk to you about how you ought to behave. See, that's the rub. You can Put young people in a classroom and fill their heads with a lot of ideas, but it's got to translate into practical living. He goes on, we have read to you the acts of the patriarchs or the councils in the book of Proverbs, so that instructed and formed by these teachings, you may be accustomed to following the same path that our ancestors walked before us and to obeying all the divine messages, thus made into new people by baptism, your behavior will befit your position as baptized people. This is so rich, okay? Spiritual formation using the book of Proverbs, wisdom literature, just like the book of Sirach. Now, you've been made new, You've been pulled out, so to speak, of the fallen world by baptism, but yet you need to have behavior that goes along with your new identity of who you are as a child of God. And that's the big rub, which is failing today. So what is being done with your children? And if they're not getting it in certain situations, then mom and dad, great. It gives you a golden opportunity because whatever you teach— will go a long way, a long, long way. Okay, this is from St. Basil, living around the same time in the early centuries. He says this, the book of Proverbs is read to give an order to our actions and as a corrective to our passions. In summary, it is a discipline or guide to life. ay ay we spend a lot of money on books with fancy covers that don't do nearly what the books of Scripture can do that are specifically designed to help people's behavior match their identity as baptized Christians, to enable their behavior to be faithful in the midst of a pagan culture. A Protestant group... By the name of Inner Varsity, has published an incredible series of commentaries on Scripture. And what they have done is collected the early church fathers' comments on a particular portion of Scripture. And for Proverbs, this is what they say: there are sixty-four ancient church fathers and saints who wrote on Proverbs. Here's a partial listing. St. Augustine, St. Chrysostom, St. Ambrose, Venerable Bede, St. Clement of Alexandria, Pope St. Gregory the Great, St. Jerome, St. Athanasius, St. Basil the Great. Now, why are evangelicals doing this? and not Catholics. All these guys are Catholic church fathers, every single one of them, including doctors of the church, and specifically saying, this is what we need for people. And this isn't the only thing, don't get me wrong, but this is a big thing. Now, here we go. Now, we're going to talk about Sirach for a minute. There may be, and I think there is, one book of the Bible that was used more in catechesis and church readings than Proverbs 1. Now, it's hard for me to know this because, again, a lot of what I found out about Proverbs in the early church came from evangelicals. And this one book that I'm suggesting may have been used as much or even more than Proverbs— is found only in the Catholic Old Testament collection of books of the Bible. And as a result, it's only up to Catholics to bring this forward. We don't have quite as much information. At least I don't have it. But I think that one book is the book of Sirach, and here's why. It's the only book of the Bible that I'm aware of, and there's 73 books in the Catholic Bible, okay, 73 books, and only one of those has a nickname, and that's the Book of Sirach. The Book of Sirach was given the name Ecclesiasticus. Now, when you heard me say that mouthful, you might have thought I was talking about the Book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is a different book. Ecclesiastes is a wisdom book, but it's not Ecclesiasticus. Ecclesiasticus means the church book. There's one book of the Bible that has the nickname the church book. Guess why? This is the book the church used in the early centuries, the Latin-speaking church. It was Sirach, and it blows my mind it really does, that as an evangelical, I spent so little time seriously investigating what books even belong in the Bible. I just assumed what I had was right, and for some reason the Catholics were wrong. And, and the amount of time we spent in seminary investigating the question of what books belong in the Bible was just minimal, really, compared to the, you know, hundreds of hours in Greek and Hebrew and the careful exegesis of Scripture and such, and yet the obvious thing staring me in the face, this book Sirach, the only book in the Bible that has the nickname the church book, I said, wasn't a church book. That doesn't make a lot of sense if you have any appreciation for the early church fathers. Now, why was it called the church book? Well, It didn't have the Sermon on the Mount. Ecclesiasticus or Sirach, the two names for the same book, uh, doesn't list any of the miracles of Jesus. They have none of Christ's teachings on the kingdom of God. No mention of the crucifixion. No mention of the resurrection. So why in the world would the early Catholics call Sirach the church book? Well, it's just what I open this broadcast with. The great challenge then, as well as the great challenge now, is how to live as a faithful disciple in the midst of a pagan culture. And because of the great challenge in the early church, Sirach was used right along with Proverbs so much that they called Sirach the church book, okay? It's kind of like it was the handbook. What do I do now? How do I live differently? And unless people are shown a path, particularly young people, they pick up the path of their peers. And and if you're a Christian parent, you really don't want that in today's world because today is like back then. And that's why I am doing uh, this, what I consider a very exciting series on Sirach. It's like Proverbs' first cousin It's built upon the wisdom of Proverbs, but with extra fortifications, because what was happening at the time is that there was a Hellenization taking place of the Jewish people, an excessive Hellenization. And by that, I mean Alexander the Great conquered the known known world shortly before this time And so the Greek language spread everywhere and actually became a blessing because the Old Testament was translated into Greek for the Jews and then later the Gentile converts all over the Roman Empire. And that translation of the Old Testament was called the Septuagint. And it was the Bible that St. Paul used to go evangelize the Roman Empire. It's the Bible used by the early Christians. It was the Bible adopted by the early church. And guess what? Scholars know to this day that in the Septuagint, unlike Protestant Bibles, all seven of those Old Testament Catholic books are in the Septuagint, all seven, okay? And, but with the excess, excessive Hellenization came the temptation told towards paganism, and wisdom in Sirach was given to counter that. Now, people might say, well, you know, we don't have people um, living as the old old world pagans. You know, what have we to uh, fear today? Well, I'm going to give you a quote, and it might make you mad, but it's not me <laughs> that came up with this. This was a man by the name of Joseph Ratzinger, who became Pope Benedict XVI. It's kind of a forgotten essay he published in 1958, And thanks to Father Kenneth Baker at the Homiletic and Pastoral Review, he translated this article entitled, The New Pagans and the Church. And this is what Joseph Ratzinger said, quote, The appearance of the church in the modern era shows that in a completely new way, it has become a church of heathens, and increasingly so no longer, as it once was, a church made up of heathens who had become Christians, but a church of heathens who still call themselves Christian, but have really become heathens. Heathenism is entrenched today in the church itself. That is the mark both of the church of our time and also of the new heathenism. The heathenism is actually in the church, and a church in whose heart heathenism lives, unquote. Now, that may sound strong to you, but uh, I'm a pretty committed pro-lifer, and when you claim publicly in front of news cameras for the whole world that you're a Catholic and you're for abortion, I'm sorry, you're a heathen who happens to be in the church, and Pope Benedict saw it coming as early as 1958. So, we want to really return to the wisdom books that are written so that the faithful of God's people don't live like heathens that's the point of this book along with proverbs and the other wisdom literature like one book is called the wisdom of solomon these books were written so we don't live like pagans pagans now the big question answered in Sirach, and I'm not going to answer it today. But this is this is the essay question. If uh, if I was writing a final exam for a college level class, and we were studying the Book of Sirach, I would have at least one essay question on this. And the question is, what is wisdom? And mom and dad, you really need to learn what. Wisdom is according to books like Proverbs and Sirach. And specifically, what is the type of wisdom that will enable a believer to live as a faithful person in the midst of a pagan society? That's the key for living in the 2020s. And that question, properly answered, could dramatically reduce the hemorrhage. Of young Catholics from their faith. I'm not going to give an exact percentage, but this this is a major component that seems to be missing on the practical level to keep young people in the church. Now, what I'm about to say may shock you, but it's okay to get shocked every now and then. I've tried to establish with you that the early church used Sirach extensively to teach wisdom to converts living in the pagan Roman Empire. In fact, I have this computer program called Logos Bible Software or Verbum. It's a Catholic edition of the Logos software, and I have all the church fathers on there and all the church fathers, their references to any verse throughout the Bible uh, indexed. And I just did a search, and only took about three or four seconds. (laughs) The thing's pretty incredible. And I put in Sirach, and then I put in the Church Fathers quotations. And there were so many, I couldn't count them. And then in addition to quotations, a quotation is just kind of a a formal uh, statement or repetition of a verse, but there's also allusions. In other words, they take up portions of a verse, a few words in a verse, or the thoughts in a verse from Sirach and apply them in their writings, and it's found everywhere. Again, there's too many for me to count and be able to get this radio show done. So we know that the early church extensively used Sirach. Now here's what may shock you. It's my estimation that there isn't a single Catholic College or University in the Newman's Guide to Catholic Colleges that teaches the type of wisdom as advocated by Sirach. Now you might think, well, that's fine. Well, it may be fine and it might not because you might say, hey, I have a 10-year-old, he or she loves God, loves going to mass, loves praying as a family and such, and that's beyond wonderful. But the real rub's going to come, uh, some Catholic parents are finding at 14 or 17 or 27, and children are leaving the faith and not adhering to the faith they grew up with and, and kind of finding that despite all the things they've learned about Christianity, they really haven't yet learned how to live as a Christian in a pagan world. And the type of wisdom that's described in Sirach, we're gonna try real hard to identify that. And then there's nuggets of wisdom throughout Sirach, but what is wisdom itself? We're gonna try to answer that question in our upcoming uh, episodes. Now, just a few words about canon. Now, when I speak about canon, I'm not talking about the uh, bath towels, okay? The word canon literally means a measuring line, and we talk about the canon of Scripture. It refers to the established list of inspired books making up the Old and New Testaments. And if you open a Protestant Bible today, you're gonna find seven complete Old Testament books missing, like Tobit, Judith, First Maccabees, Second Maccabees, Wisdom, Sirach, and Baruch, seven books. Now, all seven of these books were used in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, used extensively by the early uh, church to evangelize the Roman Empire. Now, you probably guessed Martin Luther was the one who dropped these seven books from Scripture. In particular, he needed to get rid of 2 Maccabees because he was against the whole idea of purgatory and prayers for the dead, and in 2 Maccabees it says it's a good noble thing to pray for the dead. So he had to get rid of Maccabees, but he couldn't just zip it out without a reason. And the reason he took is that St. Jerome, way back, uh, had a very strong preference for the authority of Scriptures that we had Hebrew manuscripts for. Now, we you know, only have, at this point, Greek manuscripts at this point in time for these seven books, but <laughs> sometimes it's left out of the conversation. St. Jerome did, and I repeat, did include these seven books in his Latin translation of the Old Testament, but Luther took Jerome's preference for books based on Hebrew manuscripts and used that or abused that to delete these seven books, which Jerome didn't do. But here's what we know now. In our lifetimes or just before our lifetimes, guess what has been found? Hebrew manuscripts for Sirach and the other books. Hebrew manuscripts for Sirach and old manuscripts were found in Qumran, the Dead Sea Scrolls. I believe it was a synagogue in Cairo, Egypt. And extensive Hebrew manuscripts are now in our possession. So there's really, uh, really no excuse to drop these books from our study, because in my estimation, kind of a missing piece to the puzzle. and I've literally had some parents contact me and say, um, you know, what did we miss? You know, we've done this, we've done that, we've done this and that, and we've done all the things that people commonly talk about in conferences and on the radio and in books and in our parish workshops and such, but what is missing? Well, I'm not saying this is a uh, you know, 100% guarantee to keep your kids faithful disciples of Christ, but this is what the early church did use. It was the book of Sirach, and it used it so much that it got a nickname. It's the only book of the Bible that has a nickname, the church book. So I would invite you in the coming weeks to join me as we launch this adventure and going into the book of Sirach, there's some things, and they're going to be a little hard to digest, uh, some things that are going to be challenging, some things so incredibly practical. They say, well, no, I want theoretical. Well, theoretical is good, but practical is necessary to live faithfully for Jesus Christ. And you want to know how to practice wise living? The book of Sirach is the place to launch an investigation. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 334 of Faith and Family Radio. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to learn more about Catholic family life.